He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! The OG of Jets podcasting and vlogging is back! Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella. And Josh Conrad. Oh, my brother. Testify. On Play Like a Jet Digital. Welcome to There's Always Next Year podcast on the Play Like a Jet Network. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. With me, as always, are Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at Dash 37 Board 27, and Josh Conrad, who you can find at Josh underscore Conrad. Gentlemen, that game was headed for the trash heap, and in the third quarter and fourth quarter, all of a sudden, the offense showed up. How are you feeling watching that game yesterday, Josh Conrad? Ooh, great question, since... I had my spot blown up in the middle of that time frame because my phone <laughs> in my pocket decided, hey, FaceTime your good friends, Travis and Brian, while you're mowing the lawn. And I did not think Titans Jets was going to be living much in the red zone quad box world. So I went out, mowed my lawn, listening to the game, and then suddenly get text message after text from Travis and Brian saying, Hey, are you trying to FaceTime us? Are you mowing your lawn right now? Because clearly my phone in my pocket jingling around should not uh, just realize, hey, you're probably in some sort of athletic situation. You should not be FaceTiming group chats in your phone. There are worse people my phone could have called. I'm glad it was the two. Yeah. Watching the game did not happen live for me until the text messages made me realize my priorities were out of whack. I stopped the lawnmower, went inside, watched the rest of the game. Jets win. A, a good afternoon all around. Got some yard work done, and we got a victory, boys. Yeah. Travis, we had some advice for him once the Jets started getting back into the game. What was our advice? He's, he's got to mow the yard every single game now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, basically, like, he has to mow and do yard work every Someone's time. yard, because that Someone's was the thing yard. he brought up. He was like, dude, I, I'm going to start on the I'm gonna start on the neighbor's yard if I have to. Yeah, we <laughs> were, we were like, it's going into overtime, Josh. Do you have any more yard work to do? Please get back to doing the yard work. But yeah, it was funny because I got the FaceTime and I was just like, what is this? Like Josh never FaceTimed me. So it's going to be good. And so I picked up and it was just the sound of like a, a helicopter or him mowing the yard. I couldn't tell which, but I was like, I'm pretty sure he's not hanging out of the side of a Black Hawk helicopter. So I'm going to go ahead and just assume he's mowing the lawn here. But yes, now yeah, hand, you hand are up. I was mowing the lawn. Hand up. Right. So like Sisyphus, now you are doomed to mow lawns <laughs> for eternity of Jets games. That's the new thing. So so we hope you enjoy your mowing as you as you go forward here and as the Jets go on a winning streak, thanks to your mowing. That was I, an amazing glad game. To, glad to Yeah, help. glad. We need your help. We need your help. This is important. It was quite a game. It certainly just felt like it was going the typical way. Basically, up until that Keelan Cole catch, I mean, I know they had the touchdown in the first half where they pushed 
Michael Carter into the end zone. But Travis, when you were watching or paying attention to the game, I don't know, did you have that same reaction? Oh my God, like the defense is just playing out of their mind and keeping them in this game yet again. And yet the offense is still flat until we saw the last, whatever, 25 minutes of football. Oh, 100%. It's every single week. I'm like, okay, they're going to keep us in the game. But it, that first half, they could not do anything. I, I, I'm I, not even sure if we came out of the first half with any kind of positive yardage on offense. I can't remember if it I mean, was like It was really yards, that one drive. Right. Yeah, it was like that one drive, right? Like where they went down and scored. Am I remembering that wrong? Holy crap. Was that in the third quarter? Oh no, no. Now I need to go check the. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't. Know. No, I think I think it was. I think they scored with. Uh, I think their first score was in the latter yeah. part of the the second right, quarter. Right, it was seven but nine. Like, yeah, it was. Up, yeah, it was going up nine. to that. Yeah, going up, leading up to that. It was like they had five yards of total offense, and I was yeah. like, okay, this is gonna be me talking about the defense again. I'm, I was gonna do that yeah. regardless, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and then all of a sudden, like it's like they connected on one thing and all of a sudden everybody felt good. It's holy crap. We did one good thing. And then it just started snowballing and it was crazy to watch and feel because I I really, I literally didn't know what was happening. It's been so long. since I've seen like an offense, like run with some form of down, downfield daggers and like putting the other team and just trading plays for plays. And yeah, it was like, once I saw, I think Zach Wilson do there was a reverse play to Braxton Braxton Barrios to the right side of the formation, and he could just whoop toss it up, and Barrios went by and scooped it, and it was I don't know maybe nine ten yards something like that play, but it was just one of those okay they're feeling saucy. I don't know how this is going to play out, but like they're at least feeling saucy. They're not pressing like they're they're feeling a little bit more comfortable in this in in themselves in, in this in their game plan. And so, right, over the course of the game, it certainly worked out. I think we have to start with the stars of the game, which in my, as we just talked about, was the defense. So when you guys watch the defense, Travis, like, I know that this has been coming together for a couple of weeks and we've seen good things, but, you know, it's basically been the defense plays well until they're just so gassed and they can't hold the tide anymore. And in this game, we just saw sack after sack, pressure play, pressure play, broke up pass. So, like, when you were watching it, what really stood out to you in this group? I mean, what, I think first and foremost, you, you got to thank the Titans offensive line a little bit because they, when they weren't hurt, because I feel like every mm-hmm. single offensive lineman was hurt at some point in that game because they were just getting manhandled. But when they weren't hurt, they were playing terrible. But at the same time, pressure was coming from everywhere, and it wasn't just because of – the defensive line, and I, th- I think a lot of it was coming. I don't think I know a lot of it was coming from coverage, and I don't think that's something that anyone expected. That these cornerbacks, and I talk about them every freaking week, but these cornerbacks are locking people down so hard that Mosley's getting time to do these stunts and get in there slightly exotic blitzes because I, there was a couple of those where you had to let it develop, and it was it was a coverage sack to an extent. But I, the pressure that they were getting, whether it be Quentin Williams or Quincy. I, I really loved watching Quincy play. I didn't know mm-hmm. much about him when they brought him other than the fact that he was Quentin's brother. But he was all over the place and just laying it to people. It was awesome. I can't say enough about Bryce Hall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not talk about him too much because, again, every <laughs> single week, like I just feel like I, I, I go on and on about that. You're going to have, we're going to have, he's going to have to get a restraining order against you pretty soon. I feel like it's he's getting... going to because it's, I looked like I, I was doing a search to try to find his stats on Twitter 
And and five of the, the last 20 tweets about him were all like either someone tagging me in a tweet about him or me tweeting about him. And I'm like, all right, I got to lay off this a little bit. <laughs> we're going to be best friends forever. No, that's Josh. When you watch this game, what did you think when you saw this defense yeah. coming to play and just laying lumber on on poor Ryan Tannehill? And let's face it, like they were still letting up yards against Derrick Henry. I mean, that was really the one shining light that this offense had left but they did enough it's hard to limit derrick henry you can't stop him you can only hope to contain him and that's what they did but what did you think about when you yeah the Stevens? honestly just the push of the front four which you know coming into the season i felt like we felt op- cautiously optimistic about but then really seeing some of the depth we talk about bryce huff and you talk about jfm and you talk about fadakazi and quinnett there were so many guys up front that felt like we weren't even, it's not even that we were rushing more and overwhelming their line. Those four were just getting such a good push, especially on expected pass plays. And it felt like, man, like we we actually have something special and unique brewing on that line that we, it's long been the topic, I think, of this podcast and probably several others that, man, if you just win stuff at the line of scrimmage, you're going to be a competitive football team. And the Jets really did that yesterday. I think there's a lot of problems that the Titans are going to be addressing coming out of this game. I really felt like just that defensive line, just that unit alone and specifically got so much done. And listen, like this was the game we've been hoping for two and a half years to see out of C.J. Mosley. Like, man, Mosley was like a man possessed on Sunday. Like that guy looked every bit worth the contract that pre-pandemic. And man, I'm really excited. I feel like, or even go back further before his injury, before the pandemic. But man, that front seven, but specifically that front four and the depth that Salah has already created among them, man, feel felt just like a breath of fresh air on Sunday, seeing those guys get, get in the backfield, blow everything up that wasn't an expected run play and mm-hmm. shut down that whole dynamic of, of the Titans offense. Yeah, I you talked about Quincy Williams there a minute ago, Travis, both of you. But it's funny. I think about Quincy Williams. Obviously, they're not playing the same position. But I think about like just the style of play. Like, do you remember LaRon Landry who played for the Jets? And I can't remember where he played before I still, that. I still have a LaRon a Landry Raven. jersey. Oh, that's a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, Ray, that's right. But he just, he was like such a physical player. And like when Quincy Williams, the, the broadcast said it a couple times, like, He's going to see some film and see, oh man, if I had just not just tried to totally blow up that dude, like I might've had an interception that I could run back for a score. That happened a couple of times for him, but like it almost, you almost don't care, right? Because it's, you just want that one player in the linebacking core that if you're a tight end, if you're a running back, if you're a you know slot receiver, like you just do not want to be in his zone and be catching a ball because you just know your spot's going to get blown up. And so the fact that Quincy Williams is trying to get on jacked up or whatever, okay, fine. But you need a player who's going to just bring that physical presence. And just the energy was phenomenal watching him play. It was a lot of fun. Just the sacks were distributed all over. Quinton Williams had two um, one and a half by Bryce Huff, and then one each by Quincy Williams. CJ Mosley, John Franklin Myers has said Bryce Hall had a half sack that he got to contribute to. It was just a lot of fun um, to watch. Now, I do think the one thing I want to talk about in terms of the coverage, I really like the coverage. And those guys have some swag. You, know, you see them, they're going up for balls or they're defending passes or they're getting their hand on the receiver. And then their fault, I'm sure you saw this too, Travis. They go up for the pass, they bat it away, they fall down. Boom, they pop right back up and they're like, no, they just do the kind of the hands off wave. Nope, that's an incomplete. 
And they're just, they're, they have such swagger. I love it. I do have to ask this question though. How would that group have fared if AJ Brown and Julio Jones were on the field or even one of them? I've got a lot of confidence and, uh, Hold on. Somebody is, is leaf flowing out front. Yeah, you want me to hit the sides too today? I can take that care for you, uh, Mr. Milton. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, All right, just make sure you clean up the driveway. Just clean up the driveway, Josh, please. Like, I don't want a bunch of leaves. Okay, you know, sorry, guys. Go back to your stuff. podcast. I'm just going to okay. get some work, <laughs> Thank work done. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a lot of confidence in Hall. I think that he could have locked down A.J. Brown, but I, I still think that Michael Carter, too, has played lights out. And I know, call I him the Carter. I call him the Carter, Carter too. too. Yeah. Nice. So Carter too, he's been playing lights out, but at the same time, I don't think we've faced any insanely scary receiving cores yet. And uh, just based off of watching Hall even last year, he, he put up some really good games against some really great receivers. So I think that he, he could have handled one of the two, but with the safety position being so thin, especially as the game kind of wore along, I, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a lot more of a problem than we had with the no names that we had out there. It's amazing to think that a number of those players were not, <laughs> were not on the team not that many weeks ago and they're coming in. And I think that's a testament you know, to the system. And when I say, when I say system, I don't mean rigid structure that you have to play in or you're you know, bounced to the curb. By that, coaches who understand what they have and how sometimes you need to hide some players and make more prominent other players. And so I think that's that's good. Certainly, we'll see how it lasts over the next couple of weeks. They're going to you know, face some more high-powered offenses in the next couple of weeks. I do want to make sure, because as we all agree, we really love what the defense did yesterday. We're going to take the Golden Girls grading system, and we are going to apply it to the defense today. So, Josh... I'm going to start with you, and I want you to give the defensive line grade for me, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they showed up. They came in hoping to get something, and you left with more than you could have ever possibly imagined. The Blanche Devereaux Award of the Week to to our favorite segment on this defense, the New York Jets defensive line. And when I say more than you hoped for, you might want to see a doctor. There's going to be some pills you're going to have to take. Uh, you're gonna want to get, <laughs> to get that after the fact. No, I, I teased, I teased. It was such, a, it was such a, such a nice, genteel Sunday watching our defensive line just mow down every man in front of them in the form of one blanched mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Travis. What, what do you say? It's been, God, how many years have we gone into a season and looked and thought, man, our our front seven is going to destroy everyone with Richardson and Wilkinson. And there, there were so many years where they were, where we spent drafting these high guys and we went in thinking that we were just going to destroy people and we didn't need edge rushers. Mm-hmm. We were going to be fine with what we had. It just never, ever materialized. We never saw it. So I'm actually going one step higher than blank in my book. Ooh. And I'm giving uh, the defensive line this week, the Burt Reynolds. Hey, Oh my, because Burt they Reynolds, went to the concert. Yes, yes. Burt Reynolds, he, he had a cameo, and it was everything I ever dreamed of, everything I wanted, everything that I never thought would happen, and much as Josh was alluding to with, with some of his Blanche talk, but I've, I've got go, to go, take that huge star power and, and give it to the man, Burt Reynolds. All right. I, I and he played I, himself yeah, even better. I mean, that, that is a stretch for Burt Reynolds to play himself in a movie, so that's good. All right, so Burt Reynolds. <laughs> So that, that's are you say, are you telling us that in your Golden Girls 
grading system like getting a burt reynolds is effectively reaching nirvana is, is that what that is i think trebek or uh jenny lewis actually i'm gonna say jenny okay. lewis's character uh, when she was the girl scout that would be the okay. tip of the iceberg only okay. because i All think right. i've had a crush on jenny lewis my entire life <laughs> ever fair. since it's i saw fair. her in in uh, the wizard with fred savage and the nintendo power glove <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow it's a way back machine very nice uh, i will go i was going to go blanche as well and i think the, the reason because i think they played they had some saucy play they were hot and mucho cali i love the way they played a lot the press i love the pressure they brought to to the game and yeah really kept them in it and kept everybody energized in the whole stadium so, so yeah i'm going blanche all right next group is the linebackers mm. travis i'll start with you what would you give the linebacker? This is definitely a B. Arthur. They landed all their punches. And <laughs> watching CJ and, and Quincy out there, I, it didn't matter who else was playing linebacker almost. It, it felt like we had two Mike backers and that was it. Because you didn't hear anybody else's name, I think, at all when it came to linebacker. But those two just destroyed everything. They were so disruptive. They helped both the cornerbacks in coverage and they opened things up for the defensive line. They were amazing. They were exactly what they needed to be and they were a star and landed every punch. All right. I'll, I'll go next. I'll give you a, a breath here, Josh. I'm going to say that the linebacking core was one Sophia Petrillo. And my reasoning mm. is because Sophia had a lot of hardship in her life kind of leading into the Golden Girls. So she she fleed an arranged marriage. She marries a Sal, has yeah, has children. It's great. But right before the series starts, she's living in a retirement home, which she had a stroke and caught on fire, I believe. <laughs> and, and like we had all this tumult and stuff happening with the linebacking core and Carl Lawson and this player going down and that player going down and what's this group going to be and can't even get it straight. So there was a lot of worry going into the season. I think that the team, the group that's there right now is doing a great job. So I and landing their punches or maybe hitting their one liner. So I really have liked what the linebacking core did yesterday. So I'm going to give them a Sophia. All right, I'm Josh, what do you say? The, I'm going to start calling the linebacking core Shady Pines. <laughs> love it love it i'm um, going here i'm going off script a little bit one other cameo since since trav opened up that level of the universe for us the jets linebacking core was really nice to look at on sunday felt like they were biding their time doing everything spying on the backfield looking to make sure that no shenanigans were going to happen and end of the day, nothing was going to get by them. I'm going one Mr. Bobby Hopkins from To Catch a Neighbor. Very nice. George Clooney. George Clooney, baby. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. Wow. I love it. That is good. Yeah, we're getting, I love that we're getting a little bit uh, out of the, out of the ori original group. I love it. This is good. Okay, Travis, I have to let you lead this last group. I have to give you first, first shot at this the defensive backs let me ask do we want to break out safeties and corners or do we just want to bunch them all together i'm not mm. even sure safety's played that's a good point that's i saw ashton point. davis fall down once when the play <laughs> wasn't even near him um that was about right. all i saw of him yeah uh, the and, linebackers uh, had 20 the linebackers had 23 tackles like just between two players so there was right, a so lot yes. of dropping in coverage and i saw a lot of man-to-man -man, uh going on which you know really so we'll go defensive backs i think today we'll go defensive backs because we didn't have the greg, 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 greg williams 30 30 yard deep 
safety. There was not that whatever 10th line of the defense. So yeah, defensive backs, Travis, go ahead and give me your grade. So, so this actually might be my best grade, uh, one, one above Jenny Lewis, to be honest. And oh. it's Paul Junger. He is the man responsible for the show, The Golden Girls. He is the executive producer yes. for the entirety. Mm. And he never failed to deliver for me. And I have made no bones about it. I have every single bit of faith in at least one half of that cornerback duo and starting to really get faith in all, all across the board with those two. And even watching Gidry play, Eccles was out for a good chunk of hurt. These young guys are freaking, they're balling. And Paul Jungerwick, he, he delivered, gave me my favorite show of all time, had full faith that he was always going to gonna give me a, a great episode. And, you know, there's not a single episode I just like. I'm giving my, my beloved defensive backs, mainly because I, I feel like it's a long way before I can love my O-line. Um, so I'm, I'm now a defensive back guy. So they get the 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 PJW award. Wow, that's executive producer that's status. One. I love it. That's a big one. I have a question for you, Travis. Yes. Do you know where Paul Junger Witt went to attended university? I do not. University of Virginia. Are you freaking Boom. kidding me? I am not kidding you. I'm Holy on his Wikipedia page. Living right. fuck. You just blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, when you said his name, I'm like, I got to Google this guy. And then I was like, I looked at it and it's like, he was a graduate of the University of Virginia. And I was like, of oh. course he did. Wahoo freaking wah, baby. <laughs> Love it. All right, Josh, yes. we got for the defensive backs. Yeah, guys, there is toward the end of the show a recurring guest who is, I just think, underrated. I'm just going to tell you who it is now. So if you'll remember, later in Rose's Love, her professor boyfriend, slash maybe he's not really a professor, Harold, who is playing for us, Miles Weber, becomes Rose's boyfriend, who's, I just, I forget some of the levels. He's a professor, but he's in the witness protection program. Maybe he was involved in the mob. There's a lot of questions about this man. There's a lot of unknown entities. And at the end of the day, he just delivers. And if it's good enough for Rose, it's good enough for me. That's my grade for the Jets secondary on Sunday. Just good enough. Some questions, but end of the day, man, what a fun added little wrinkle that that unit brings to us. The Miles Weber Award boys go into our defensive. All right. I like it. I don't know who I'm going to go with. Ah, man, I've gone Blanche and Sophia already. This is hard. I feel like Trav and I cheated our whole way through. We just added, added other wrinkles <laughs> the whole fair. time. That's fair. I mean, I'm okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Dorothy. I'm going to give the defensive backs my Dorothy's Bornak award. I think they did a great job. Again, like they were, you know, they've been put in a weird situation this season, given who they have. And, but I think even if you don't always love everything that happens, right? If some holding calls or I mean, stuff's going to happen, but all in all, this is one of the more important people in the show. And one of the people carries you through this show. And so I certainly believe that Dorothy was an integral part of the show, super important. And they all are, of course, this is such a BS answer, but really showed up, did their job, hit their lines. Maybe they didn't get all the sacks. They didn't get a bunch of interceptions as a result, but you know what they did helped set up some of the plays for what happened up front, just as much as the Titans offensive line. All right. We need to talk to what everybody wants us to talk about, which is the offense. So we're going to, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. As we talked about at the top there, the offense really 
it, it was a Jekyll and Hyde situation starting at the end of the third quarter there. The running game had struggled. The passing game had fits and starts, but it was hard for them to chain things together. And it really wasn't until that kind of what ended up being a field goal. It was a, a series of plays, but there was a long Keelan Cole pass. Then they were down on the goal line. Wilson rolls out, I believe, on second down in a bizarre play, but he gets bumped out of bounds and moves them back, which I was pretty upset about because I was like, okay, now you have less choices on this third down play. And so he threw the ball on third down, I believe, to Ryan Griffin, got out of the back of the end zone. And then that set up the, the field goal. But really in the fourth quarter, they get the ball back. They're down 17-10 at that point, And they... The, the famous play happens. There's some good things that happen in the meantime there, but the Corey Davis play. I'm curious, Josh, when you think about the Corey Davis play or yeah. went back to watch it, like what was your reaction leading yeah. into and listening to the crowd and then the outcomes of all that? It was the ultimate, oh no, oh my God, oh my God <laughs> play. It was the ultimate, no, don't like the pointing to go deeper just felt like this has disaster written all over yes. it. Yes. And then you just like as the ball is in the air and you see he's throwing into double coverage and you think, yep. I can't believe that this is going to happen. Honestly, in so many ways felt there was the earlier pick of the game, but that one felt if it gets picked off, I'm, I think we're already at a point a quarter into the season where we're going <laughs> to feel like this. Guy we're going to fire him into the sun or something's like, going to happen. Just, something drastic. Gonna, happen. Yeah. He's got to go back to Provo. There's no living. <laughs> in New York City anymore for the young Mormon man. So, man, I – and then when Corey Davis comes down with it, I, I let out a noise that my wife said was between a yelp and a scream, and I just have the muscle in my throat to, like, root for my team has not been activated in a couple of years. So I I don't know what what actually happened. It might have been my soul leaving my body. I might be a soulless being at this point, but – I, man, was excited when he came down with that ball and thought that one play might have changed not just Zach Wilson's career, Robert mm-hmm. Sala's career, the trajectory of this team, the makeup of what Joe Douglas is trying to build. Like in so many ways felt like, oh man, if that capability is there and they've got the guys that can actually pull a play like that off, like we actually have something. Now we still have to figure out the offensive line. we got to figure out what Beckton's going to look like for the long run. we got to figure out a running game. But Man, if Zach Wilson has that talent and that swagger to throw that ball, he said afterward that he almost fumbled the snap because he was so excited about as that play was about to happen that they knew they had a play. But maybe that's facetious, I don't know. But if they have that sort of confidence between the quarterback and the wide receiver group, guys, we might actually have something. So very excited. Again, not sure right now if I'm a soulless being, though, because I let out a noise that scared my wife half to death. Travis, did you have any specific thoughts on that? specific play and then we'll talk about what happened going in overtime and all that just overall offense and zach wilson after that that was pretty much like josh when that play was happening i was like oh god oh shit uh this is gonna be not good and then it was like what whoa what 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 just happened yeah yeah, i literally just sat there for a minute and i was like where the and i think i literally just said where the fuck did that come from (laughs) yeah it was and and i think i said that every single one of his long passes i was like well, shit, how did that happen? I was literally just sitting by myself, just cussing out loud at something good that happened. It was just so confusing and felt so unfamiliar to me that I was like, that worked? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. 
going back and watching the play, like there is that, that sandlot kind of mentality to it that you're just like, this doesn't work. And then the, you throw and then you see two Titans defenders and Davis has passed them both, but then he has to slow down and basically fall down to catch the ball. And I'm not saying it wasn't a great play. It was an amazing play. That play, the crowd was already electric. And then it just, you know, sparks started going from one side of MetLife Stadium to the other after that. Uh, Like, but that was just one of those so improbable plays that ultimately galvanized this team. I'm not going to argue against it. I'm just saying like that could have gone a million other ways. As it will play in Jeff's Lord. In people's memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's have you seen these AWS commercials where they're like they show the throw and the uh, 25.7% completion percentage? It was like I want them to see, I want to see them do that for that play and what that what the likelihood of that outcome like, would be. Because I underthrow after you pointed to the heavens, like you were gonna throw the ball into the street. Yeah, so it was amazing. And what I will say is those kind of plays are the plays, it makes sense. That's why the Jets drafted him mouth-watering plays. If you went and watched his college tape, there is so many of those plays on his resume. And I'm, I'm not saying he can't do it in the pros. I'm just saying like, it's hard to do it in the pros. And But he does have different level of talent. He's got Corey Davis. Um, I think Jameson Crowder, I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I think Jameson Crowder was a huge benefit to the offense. And having to rely as much as they have on Braxton Berrios has been painful, it's been necessary, but it hasn't helped. So what did you think of Jameson Crowder being in the game? And certainly Corey Davis was still targeted a lot, Josh, but but with Jameson Crowder active in the lineup, do you feel like that changed the dynamics of this offense somewhat? Totally. Yeah, I think having a healthy, fully um, active Jameson Crowder in that role is just, listen, he's just better than Braxton Berrios. Like he's just a better football player. He's a better wide receiver. And so I think for a guy like Zach Wilson, having a little bit more consistent play from that position is certainly just helpful for a young quarterback. And so I thought thought there were a number of things they did offensively, specifically in the past game that I thought were very encouraging. That was definitely one of them. I did love seeing Corey Davis throw his weight around a little bit to start again, earning the contract that he signed as well. And yeah, I think having Crowder there made me see what this team could look. And listen, it's Jamison Crowder. There's also, a, there's just a ceiling on that guy. But as they're continuing to build this roster and giving Zach Wilson a look at wide receiver that he can anticipate and a guy like Jamison Crowder, certainly encouraging, felt really good about, about a lot of what happened in the passing game on Sunday. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Travis, what did you think about the makeup of players and who was in the lineup and, and how much they used different receivers, different running backs, tight ends, etc.? The tight end position really seems like it's non-existent. I actually saw somebody tweet and it was like, so the Jets are going through this season without a tie, without any tight ends. Cool. And then it was like, I, I know they're actually there, but they're not doing anything. They, um, they, had, an, they had an all-pro tight end that they decided to move on to Minnesota. I'm just saying it one last time. I miss you. I love you, Chris. Anything there either, so. He's buried behind Tyler Conklin on the death chart. Just, just saying. Just saying. Oh, my sweet prince. I thought Crowder really filled in for that tight end role. He very much back that is, uh, I think Salah even said it at one point in uh, post game that, that he really was, at least for this game, Wilson's kind of security blanket. He had a... a decent what he had eight catches i believe which was actually like quiet like i i didn't recall him having that many catches but when i looked at the stat line i was like whoa holy crap yeah 
And your boy Mims, even like uh, he, oh. he didn't get he didn't mm-hmm. get targeted, but he had mm. a couple really good blocks downfield. Like I'm not gonna lie. Um, so he contributed, but just not in the way I think everybody was wanting him to. <laughs> I, I, I did I did notice that multiple times because if there's anything I'm ever gonna notice, it's blocks. I, I think the addition of Crowder really helped open things up. Keelan Cole, that's the first I think we've heard his name at least that much all season. I don't know. Uh, he's Has he been hurt? I, I thought he played the first game, but I don't recall hearing anything about him the second two games. Not yeah, like he was, we were. He, he wasn't able to hurt. get up, but yeah, th- then he played a little bit. So yeah, I think I have the snap because he, he played about, Cole played about 59% of the snaps as I think if I'm reading this weird table on football guys, Denzel Mims played 10 snaps total, 16% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Braxton Berrios played... No, that's oh, this is all messed up. I'm not going to read this because it's a mess. Barrios um, <laughs> might have had one one target, maybe two. He did not get yeah, anything. He had the reverse, game. right? Yeah, he didn't show up much, but yeah, Cole is coming back and healthy. Uh, Crowder obviously played significantly, sixty percent of snaps. Denzel, I think the closest he actually got to the ball was there was play where they like he like took a fake reverse handoff. I can't even remember what happened after that. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's Denzel Mims. He's gonna. Oh no, he didn't. Touch it. And then like. <laughs> I completely forgot whatever else happened in the rest of that play. No, I, yeah, I think the, and, and let's talk about the line a little bit. So you're, how are you feeling about the line, Travis? Rough? Better? I don't know. Where, where are we with a, a little bit better. Not much. I was really stoked to see ABT play and he, he was lights out. He was great. He was really good. Fant was again, coming through really great in a position that he's not, not used to. McGovern is what McGovern is. He's not playing wonderful, but I, I think, one thing that's just a continuing storyline is he's – I don't feel like he's that great to begin with. But number two, Van Roten is not doing him any favors. Mm-hmm. He is – Dan Feeney has to be complete dog shit for Van Roten to still be on the freaking field. <laughs> that guy's got an amazing mullet. But that dude, I, I swear to God, he's got to be playing at like a peewee football level because Van Roten is just terrible. And he's making life so much harder for uh, – both McGovern and Morgan Moses, who Morgan Moses is pretty damn good. And I see a lot of things that are being blamed on both of them that are actually more Van Roten's fault for letting people get through. It's just very maddening. But seeing Vera Tucker and, and what fans been able to do is very encouraging. If we could just shore up the interior, the outside portions of the line are actually looking pretty decent. Um, not going to lie. The running game was a little stagnant, but they opened it up a couple times. But pass protection... I think all of the pressures that were given up were all pretty much on Van Roten, or I think there was either seven or eight pressures, I can't remember, on him, and only one sack, but it's that same story every single week. But he did have a lot more time to throw this week, and he made made good use of it, but I'm still not, still not very confident in this line. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to do more, Josh, right, where they're, they are rolling – uh, Wilson out or they're trying to get defenses on their hit heels by, yeah, by committing to the run or the reverse plays or some of the kind of little trickery that we saw. They're trying to do more in that way to, to give Wilson a little bit of breathing room and the ability to, if, if he's rolling out, that gives him half the field to work with. So less decisions. I, I don't know. Are you seeing any improvement in the coaching? Do you feel like it's I don't know. Do you feel like there's been any change in, in what we've seen from LaFleur or LaFleur's 
starting to hit a stride? What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of all those things. So I, I do, I have noticed way more of the rollouts. Interestingly, Zach Wilson grades out pretty well from Sunday, even with the pick. And then all the stats on the rollouts, which I was just trying to pull up because I saw a tweet about it yesterday. Very impressive. It, like him on the move seems like that's actually way more comfortable for him. And so a lot of the, hey, some of the analytics or the player comp stuff to Aaron Rodgers, not calling Zach Wilson Aaron Rodgers, but I am saying that like some of those comps where he's, he's actually more comfortable, not improvising, but really like on the move with some designed rollouts, getting him out in space, clearing out in front of him so that he can see pretty clearly. Seems like it's really working for him. And so many of those completions felt like, especially a lot of the ones to uh, to Keelan Cole and to, to, to Jameson Crowder felt like they were on a lot of those designed rollouts and maybe it's the Becton injury that's giving them a little bit of pause keeping a tight pocket maybe that was the design coming into the season but if he's playing better on the move let the man cook get him out into some space yeah. roll some routes toward him give him some stuff going cross cross coverage and see what he can pull off because if he's enjoying that then you know nothing screams better to me good NFL coach than flexing your game plan to the players and their comfortabilities the opposite of what Matt Nagy seems to be doing in Chicago. So if we can continue <laughs> to bend toward what works and that the players are comfortable with, you're going to be a successful football team. And then it's just a matter of getting guys healthy. And then maybe again, building this roster out a little bit more to get some skill at some of these positions, but agree with Trav on a lot of this, a lot of the offensive line takes feels like some of it's going well. Some of it is absolutely not going well. And the big question looming over everything still, is going to be Mackay Becton. What's our long-term plan? Do we think that there's just some abnormalities in these injuries or is it going mm -hmm. to be that he's going to miss a 40% of games every single season because you can't count on your left tackle to do, to do that? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. It seems to me like LaFleur understands that their line isn't exactly where they want it to be. So, right, we're going to therefore do some more rollout. So we're not going to rely on our timing route so much. So therefore we're doing more things. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see where Zach Wilson progresses over his career, but it feels to me that's a place where he's pretty comfortable given what he was doing in college, just improvising jazz. That's his thing. I, you don't often see a player do the go down the field. Like that's almost never. So the fact that he did that and it worked, as we talked about earlier, I think that gives you a real window into who he is as a player and what's going to work for him. And so, yeah, hopefully LaFleur is starting to realize who he's got and how to put them in successful situations. I am forever going to now hear somebody doing jazz when he rolls out. It's going to be in my head every time now. Squeed up. Squeed up. Yep. Freaking. Okay. Yeah. Scatman Carruthers is now like going to be the song to every montage I ever make. If I ever make a montage of Zach Wilson rollouts. <laughs> yeah, scat man. All right, love it. Uh, okay, we need to talk a little bit before we go about the Jets' next game. They're heading over the pond to Britain to play the Atlanta mm. Falcons uh, in top pip in Tottenham Hotspur's stadium. I think Travis called it Trottenham or something, but Trump. but. So as we go across the pond, we need to think about this game. But before we do, I do want to know, gentlemen, who was your wanker of the week from this past <laughs> week? Travis, who was your wanker of the week? 
Bloody fucking Greg Van Roy. I can't. All I can do is like a Gordon Ramsay uh, British. Yeah, I, I would be. I would be oh. at Greg Van Rolten. Or uh, God, again, I, I'm terrible at it. I can cuss like I'm. Uh, do you me, know, a freaking yeah. Britishman. Do me a Gordon Ramsay. Give me a Gordon Ramsay. Oh, that's all I had. I just love it when he calls people donkeys. <laughs> okay, so you'd say that's all I can do. Like I can yell about the risotto or. And, yeah, and it just kills me, like the the salmon and the fillets. It's just the the pronouncing of letters that aren't pronounced in other spots. Right. It's like, why are these Prince letters here? You you donkey! <laughs> you call this a sublime risotto with langoustines and a side of salmon and turbot and sherbet. Herbet. You will have a lemon sherbet as a palate pleaser. Hello. Uh, I know we're between series. Please have a, a palate-pleasing lemon sherbet. All right. Who is your wanker of the week? Hello. I am quite the upset <laughs> with whatever our lord of the manor, Denzel Mims, has done to earn his <laughs> lowly stature in the wide receiver room. I don't know. Oh, this is horrible. I'm going into a little bit of John Lennon. I don't know why. <laughs> it just sounds like it's coming out as John I wish... <laughs> figure out why our friend Mims of Castleshire is not playing in the match. This is painful. This is so bad, guys. This is our yeah. Worst I think I think I could pull off a Roy Kent, and that's about as far yeah. as I can go. And only no, because he, oi. he just cusses a lot. He's like, "Oi, Ben Roten, back off, garbage, baby, get in the car." It's <laughs> about all I can do. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that our. Yeah, who's my wanker of the week? I don't know. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Nathan Shelley was my. That's uh, a very valid point, but that that he's might be a spoiler alert week. for somebody. Yeah, yeah that's spoiler right. Spoiler alert out there: if you don't want to hate Nathan Shelley, delete the podcast right now. <laughs> um, that guy. Okay. Uh, he's the Adam Gase of fictional uh, premiership teams. Am I right, Lance? <laughs> Very true. So they go across the pond. They're going to play in Tottenham's beautiful stadium. The good news, it's a chance for Woody Johnson to head back and make ambassadorships great again and make sure to haggle with the British about the price of corn and soybeans and why the British aren't eating more of our chickens. It's a wonderful chance for him to reprise his role as ambassador to the United Kingdom. But they are playing a super terrible team who actually lit it up yesterday against the Washington football team. the Atlanta Falcons, who lost 34 to 30, I think it was the final score yesterday. Atlanta is really bad this year. So when you guys think about this team, their their defense is bad, worse than the Titans bad. And their offense has been really bad. Obviously, they came to life a little bit. They have Calvin Ridley. They have they have a very statuesque Matty Ice, like best nickname ever based on his style of play at this point in time in his career. They have Matty Ice, not a lot else out there in, in Atlanta. So when they take this home game to Tottenham. Josh, what matchups are you looking forward to seeing the Jets take advantage of uh, on the Falcons? I, man, Matt Ryan is a statue at this point in his career. I'm pretty sure he's got pigeon shit on his shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) True. Uh, He's a statue no longer erect on Monument Boulevard in Virginia. He needs have pressure every single play. If there's not a guy knocking him down 
on the first six dropbacks of the game, we had missed a prime opportunity to just get that guy to get him in a lot of trouble. So hoping the in, the inequality of our defensive line play and the inability for Matt Ryan to move means we have a repeat performance, multiple sacks, disrupting drives, getting in his face, getting him uncomfortable. That feels like the biggest opportunity coming out of the Titans game and going into that game is getting pressure on Matt Ryan. Travis, weakness do you want the Jets to exploit against the Atlanta Falcons? It's going to be that offensive line. They, I feel like this game is going to be fairly similar. The only, the only real huge threat outside of their uh, highly touted tight end that they so daftly took in the draft so high. And yeah. if Carter, too, and Bryce can keep holding it down back there, it's going to be hell for, for Mr. Pigeon shit back there. And <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I want to see, like, on the other side there, I want to see what this Jets wide receiver group, who seems to be feeling a little bit you know, more swaggadocious today, going into this week, having had a good game, having had some deep throws. We haven't seen... Long plays like that from the Jets in a long in a long time. So to to have that confidence, even if it's a weird game where they're playing in London, I have to think that it's gonna it could go really well for for the Jets and for their wide receiver group because this secondary is just so atrocious. So I really want to see them stack some success on success before they start playing some tougher defenses again following the break when they take on Cincinnati and they take on New England. Those are going to be some tougher games and we've already seen New England. That was a hard game for us. So as they go here, this is a chance for them to continue to build on that. And I think that I would love to see that happen with the wide receiver group. Zach Wilson's at the leverage making that happen. So hopefully that will happen in this uh, in this coming week. We wish you all, we hope some of you are going across the pond to check out this game. If you are, have a great time. Make sure to listen to the Play Like a Jet feed on your way over or back. Scott and the team there will have tons of great cotton. So be sure to rate and review it as you fly or as you come home. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. This was a wonderful time for us to talk. And Travis, your risotto was sublime. So, so well done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bloody L. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.